In Luke 17, we see Jesus in Galilee, and as he was going down to Jerusalem, he passed by the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he went into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And at a distance, they said in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, rushing back, and praising God with a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, were not all 10 healed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and praise God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise up, rise up and go your way. Your faith has healed you. So we're going to go through this passage verse by verse. Um, and so I want you to open your Bibles so you can follow along with me. Um, and you'll know exactly where I'm going when I start and when I'll finish. And so the first verse says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And I think um, it's important. There's two things I want you to think about this verse. Um, the first thing I want you to notice is where Jesus is traveling. Now, if you turn back, you don't have to do this, but if you turn back in your Bible a few chapters earlier um, in Luke, it says in Luke 9, uh, 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And so what Luke has told us back in chapter 9, and now we see him in verse, uh, chapter 17, is that Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. And I think it's important that you know that as we enter in this passage because you know a context for where Jesus is traveling. Uh, not that Jesus ever meanders anywhere, but he definitely has a specific purpose at this point in the text. And we'll come back to that later on in the sermon. The other thing I want you to notice in verse 11 is that he's on the border between uh, Samaria and Galilee. And so that gives us an interesting place because we're going to encounter this mixed group of lepers, as you know, um, which is a little bit surprising um, to see these different men of different races bound together um, in their illness. So going on to verse 12, um, it says that as he was going, he re uh, encountered 10 men who had leprosy. Now, um, I kind of see these men as a sortie of men. Sortie um, is kind of like a little uh, group that you send out to attack something, right? Um, I, I looked up that word because that's the first word that came to mind. And uh, imagine that you heard that Jesus was coming to town. And so, um, and you had had this leprosy for years and years and years and years. Do you blame them for like running out 
encountering Jesus before he got to the village, saying, we want to be first in line. Um, some of you are struggling with illness right now. Um, some of you may be online, be ho- at home, not even able to get here um, and struggle with illness. And if you heard Jesus was coming to town, he's coming to Greenville, um, of course, back then they walked, they didn't have cars, wouldn't you be the first in line, kind of attacking him, so to say, with um, your desire to be healed? Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting as I was reading my Bible, and in Matthew 8, um, I was, we were at a friend's house the other night, and they uh, reminded me of a scene from The Chosen um, that, where Jesus encounters a leper. And so um, I had actually just read this in my text, in my reading, and I was like, wow, I wonder how this story when Jesus encounters a leper in Matthew 8 compares to this story in Luke here. So I'm going to read that to you. Find it, my text. So this is Matthew 8. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him, and a man with leprosy came and kneeled before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out with his hand and touched the man, I am willing. And he said, Be clean. Immediately the man was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. And offer the gift that Moses has commanded as a testimony to him. So I bet these lepers, their imagination was just churning and thinking, hey, I remember, we've heard stories of his healing, but maybe, they even heard the story of him healing the leper, maybe he'll touch me. And so they run out outside the village, they're excited, they're going to meet Jesus, um, but um, it doesn't exactly work out the same way, does it? In verse 13, you hear them encountering Jesus, and they say, they cry out uh, for mercy. They say, um, they stood at a distance, and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Or some texts say mercy. Now, the law in Leviticus prescribed that this, the, the lepers had to stay at least 100 paces away from Jesus. And so they were following the law um, as they called out to him. Um, and I, I think before we talk about um, their cry, you have to understand leprosy. Now, I'm a physician, for those of you that don't know it. I've seen leprosy once in Brazil. Um, but, you know, leprosy is not something we see very much nowadays. It's also called Hansen's disease. I thought about bringing pictures. There's no pictures. Uh, this morning, because that just wouldn't float with all of you. But let me tell you what happens with leprosy. Uh, Now, leprosy in the Bible is a word that's used for different types of skin diseases, and so it doesn't necessarily mean everybody had this disease. But for our purposes, leprosy was a disease that affects your skin and your nerves. And a lot of us have heard about this before. Maybe some of the kids don't know what leprosy does. And uh, you start to have, like, patches on your skin where you can't feel um, like white patches. You've read some passages that says that uh, the skin was leprous like snow. And then you start to have little nodules popping up. There are different types of leprosy, um, like on your face, little bumps. It starts to disfigure your face um, or other parts of your body. And then it affects your nerves, and you start to develop a thing called neuropathy. Now, I know some of you know what neuropathy is because some of you in the room have been affected by neuropathy. Um, there's a disease that I see all the time in my clinic called diabetes. And patients with, uh, with, with neuropathy, they, 
they start losing the feeling in their nerves. When you come into my office, I'll test you with a little uh, pinprick or a, or a uh, tuning fork, and I'll say, do you feel that prick? Do you feel that vibration? And my patients that have neuropathy, they don't. Now, the problem with neuropathy uh, back then as well as now is that um, you don't feel pain. And so um, it's very easy to pick up infections or other things like that in your extremities, and the extremities start to get cold, and you start to lose digits. Your fingers start falling off. Your toes start falling off. The tip of the nose can fall off. And so imagine these men affected by leprosy um, with this horrible rash, some digits maybe falling off, and they're, they're, uh, they're here um, approaching Jesus just hoping that he'll touch them. But see, here's the thing. Leprosy doesn't just affect your skin and your outward appearance. It also is a spiritual condition according to the Bible. And if you go to Leviticus, I'm going to read you a passage out of Leviticus um, here because I think it's super interesting um, what the law prescribes for leprosy. This is uh, Leviticus 13, 45, and 46. Anyone affected with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Their hair must be unkempt, and they have to cover the lower part of their face and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean, and they must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So, um... Kind of in a sense, they have to have a, a sign, you know, where they have to yell out that they're unclean, that, that uh, no one approach me um, because you might catch this disease. Um, so not only are they affected on the outside, but they're also affected on the inside. They have this spiritual condition that's affecting them. Now, a lot of us know what it means to be in quarantine, Right? They're in quarantine. They're isolated. Uh, with the COVID pandemic, a lot of us, if not all of us in the room, have gotten COVID and had to stay in our house for five, ten days longer. Um, we, y'all know what that feels like. It stinks, right? You're in your room. Your family may or may not be able to see you, whether they have COVID or not. You're masked up. If you go to your doctor, your doctor won't even touch you. We have to gown up in these gowns and wear these masks and goggles and gloves and you have this uh, horrible disease. Um, I took care of a patient in the hospital who had COVID. They, we had so much COVID, I, they pulled me into the hospital and uh, this patient couldn't even breathe, but he couldn't see his family because of, of the illness and he was in the ICU and all that. So he, he was experiencing that quarantine. So we all, everyone in the room knows a little bit what it feels like to have that isolation um, forced on you, um, where you feel unclean. No one will touch me. Um, does some of you kind of feel their sense of isolation? Now, it may be due to an illness where you can't make it here or it's hard to make it here to church. Um, but a lot of us have other things that affect us, like mental illness, um, the church body sometimes struggles with accepting people with mental illness. They're on the fringe. Um, and a lot of times, that's the worst part about it. Being, um, especially after the pandemic now, I'm seeing a lot of people in my office with anxiety and depression. Um, and it's, it's hard. Uh, if, even if you aren't really isolated, you feel like the lonely man in the crowd. 
Um, and then there's other types of isolation where we've done something in the past that we just don't feel too happy about. We feel pretty unclean inside here. You know, sin and shame are kind of strange bedfellows. And uh, if anyone really knew the real you, you definitely would not, um, you know, they, you just know that people wouldn't accept you. So we get it. We know how these men feel, um, absolutely. Let me pause here just for a second and say that God knows your pain. He knows exactly where you are, whether it's your physical hurt or mental hurt um, or the sin and shame which you have. And he hears your cries. Uh, I truly believe that, just like he heard and knew the cries of the lepers here. So let's go on um, to verse 14. So the the men come up to, to Jesus. They're crying, have mercy on us. And then Jesus does the most anticlimactic thing ever. He says, it says he saw them, and he said, go show yourself to the priest. And you can imagine these uh, lepers 100 paces away, and, and they're like, okay, he wants us to go. So we'll go. We'll listen to him. Um, now, I was listening to um, T.D. Jakes talk about this passage, and he said that sometimes God wants us to go. Because if you read the passage, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Now, a lot of times, um, at least a lot of times in my life, I want things to be better, and then I'll go. But a lot of times, God calls us to just have the faith to go, just to trust in him, follow him, and then the healing kind of comes along the way. Um, And so, as they walked through they became clean, is what the text says. Um, I was thinking about the passage from Proverbs, um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge or submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And I thought about how a lot of times in my life, because I'm a planner, I like I like to know what's going to happen and plan it out, particularly in my, my work day. And my, if my nurses were here, they would say, uh, I get pretty grumpy when things don't go my way, when the, when the path is not straight. Um, but the passage talks about how a lot of times um, when we have faith, we're called to trust him, and then he makes our path straight. And so I think it's easy a lot of times to want things to be right and not necessarily have the faith to step out. But God in the Bible asks us to to take the faith and step out. Think about another passage that says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Y'all have heard that passage before. But one thing about that that we may not think about is back then they didn't have flashlights. They had lamps. And so as they walked, uh, the lamp would show them the next step. So I think a lot of times God gives us the faith for the next step, but we don't necessarily know what's coming as we walk on our journeys. Um, so I want you to imagine that moment. They're walking, um, they're walking towards the priest, they're listening to Jesus, and their skin starts to clear up. So you imagine like they're walking along and you know, they don't know what's gonna happen, and they start, like those bumps start to recede, the patches start to go away, and slowly their feeling starts to come back. They can feel their hands again or their toes. Those of you with neuropathy, imagine that moment. Um, They can start feeling the ground beneath their feet. 
Maybe those digits they lost are growing back, I don't know. Um, it was probably a pretty joyous moment. Now, this is my favorite part of the whole sermon and passage, um, is verses 15 and 16. And probably the most important in the whole passage. As the lepers um, start to be cleansed, start to get clean, get healed, they probably start speeding up their gait a little. They're probably like, let's go. Let's hurry up. Let's, let's go to the priest because then we'll be accepted back into our communities. We will no longer be um, quarantined. Um, and so they're walking along. They're excited. They're uh, yelling out in jubilation, um, just happy about being healed. They're looking at each other. You can imagine them crying and grabbing each other. Um, and then uh, one of the men stops. And uh, now this is me using my imagination. But one of the men stops, and the other guys look, turn around, and they're like, come on, let's go. we got to go see the priest so we can be uh, back in, you know, in the communities once again. And he says, he told us to go talk to the priest to, to be cleansed. Like, uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go do it. And uh, he maybe repeated himself, you know, like, he told us to go to the priest to be cleansed. And his friends are like looking at him. Now, um, this man, we're told in the text, was a foreigner, to use Jesus' words, a Samaritan. And uh, back then, if you're a Samaritan, you were a half-breed, you were an outsider, you weren't accepted. But notice the, this group of men in this border between Galilee and Samaria, they were banded together in their, um, in their suffering. Uh, they had kind of like a fellowship of suffering, so to say. And so they probably were friends um, at this point, as much as you can be friends as your lepers. Uh, but they look at him, and they're like, you're going to come? And he, he doesn't. He just stops in his tracks, and they continue on their way off to the priest. And then the leper turns around, and something hits him, and a smile hits his face, and he says, oh. And he starts running back to Jesus. Um... The thing that really intrigued me is that it seems in this moment like the leper is disobeying Jesus. Because Jesus said, go see the priest to be cleansed. And so he's not exactly listening too well in this moment. So why? Like what, what's going on um, with him? And uh, I, I like something about Luke's gospel that um, we were studying in Sunday school uh, Luke's, Luke's got, like how all the Gospels are different. And Luke is one of my favorite um, Gospels out of all of them because it's the Gospel of Outsiders. If you read through Luke, Luke will highlight over and over and over again how the outsiders get something when the insiders miss it altogether. And so what does he realize? What he realizes is he realizes that the priest is behind him, not in front of him. Um, he realizes that, um, as T.D. Jake said, that, let's see if I got the quote here, that if he's going to be healed, he needs to go to the real priest. Um, now, he approaches Jesus, and um, it says that he shouts. And so I can just see it. Like, he doesn't even get to Jesus yet. Um, he's not, he's bold. He's confident. This is not... 100 paces away anymore. And so as he approaches Jesus, he shouts and praises. And it made me think about church, um, how we are a little more quiet in our worship sometimes. But sometimes 
we need to shout. And if this was a Pentecostal crowd, I'd ask y'all to shout amen, but anyways, yeah. Um, a lot of times I think, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, we are a little more bridled in our response and our praise. And so he does. He shouts to Jesus. He runs up to Jesus' feet and falls at his feet. And like I said, this is the key um, to the whole passage, um, really. And it says that he, he touches Jesus, um, or you can see him at Jesus' feet. And um, he thanks Jesus. And so we see something clicking in his heart, kind of like a tipping point or a sliding doors moment. In his thankfulness, he realizes um, that the priest is in front of him. And I love what Jesus says. Going back to that question that was asked in the very beginning of the sermon or uh, that we highlighted, Jesus pauses and he says, where are the other nine? Um, we're not ten cleansed. Only this foreigner comes back, you know, here before me. And uh, it says in the passage that he, he's thankful, um, which I find, you know, really interesting. I think that's the key. So I think um, it'd be easy to make this sermon a sermon about how to be thankful. We need to be more thankful. Um, and, and that's not at all what this is about, at all. Um, that's not, not, not what, what is being taught, I think, through this passage. Um, in verse 19, Jesus looks at him, and this is the climax of what thankfulness produces. You see, the man had already been cleansed of his outward illness, the leprosy, um, and he comes to Jesus, and he sits at Jesus', at Jesus feet, and Jesus uh, says, your faith has made you well. Um, I think the text that Bob used said something a little bit different. But your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. And uh, when we read that, uh, we might miss it altogether, what's actually being said. Um, the King James Version, believe it or not, gets it right this time um, compared to more modern renditions of the passage. Because actually what's being said is um, this word well is translated in Greek sozo, S-O-Z-O. And um, what that word means is whole. Your faith has made you whole. And so Jesus is saying, um, I'm going to take away not only your outward leprosy, but the leprosy of your heart. Um, anybody in the room that's a Christian, you know what that's about. Um, when I was a kid, I remember um, hearing a sermon one time um, where the pastor was knocking on his Bible, and he said, Jesus wants to come into your heart. And I remember, like, sitting in the pew and saying, I want that. I want Jesus to come in and make me whole. Um, and all of you, I hope, have had that moment, and if you haven't, let him in. So, um, what do I mean by the gospel of thankfulness? You know, I could end this sermon by once again saying you should be more thankful for the things in your life, for what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Um, and I think that we are in some ways kind of immune to gratitude. We struggle with that a lot. I know I do. Recently, though, I've been kind of convicted. I, I don't say recently. I'm always convicted of this. But I just am not that thankful for what Jesus did for me on the cross. You know, I, I, we, maybe it's because we've heard it so many times. But... Um, but I don't feel much like this man when I, when I think about the passage. 
And uh, um, I think that we could sell ourselves short if we end the sermon right now and saying, be like the leper. You've been made whole. You need to be thankful. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And end a sermon. That's a good sermon, but you would miss something. Because there's a, one more leper in the passage that you may not have caught, and that's Jesus. You see, Jesus, um, he was actually headed to Jerusalem to die. Remember I said that before? Um, in Isaiah, it says he set his face like flint um, on, on the cross. He was resolute, um, as my Bible says, or the New Living Translation says, um, for what he was going to do. And so Jesus, it wasn't just happenstance that he encounters these group of lepers on his way to the cross. Because Jesus is the leper. Um, he takes on our sin, our leprosy, and becomes the one that's separated. How do we know that? Because on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, he suffered the ultimate quarantine, being uh, ultimately separated from God um, there on the cross. Well, not ultimately, but separated from God on the cross so that we could be accepted back into our community. or uh, We could be called sons and daughters um, of him. Um, so I think... What I mean by the gospel of thankfulness is not just you should be thankful, but when you see what Christ did on the cross for you, it transforms your heart and makes you whole, makes you realize, hey, gosh, God has died for me, and therefore I have to shout about it. When Mark talks about this three-for-all thing, you can't shut up about your faith, sorry, kids, because you just, Jesus you know, Jesus did this for me. He healed my soul. And so telling people about Jesus comes naturally to you. Um, when Steve Bledsoe comes to my office, I don't know if he's in the crowd. He is right there. It's hard to get him to stop talking, believe it or not, about Jesus. Like, you know, my nurses, you'll start talking to him. Uh, he came in the other day, and my nurse was like, yeah, I was trying to get him to move on, but he was just asking how she was doing and how can I pray for you. And so you encounter people like that, and they just exude Jesus. And so I think, um, I think that God gives us thankful hearts when we see what he did for us on the cross. He transforms us and makes us uh, have this wholeness, and we just can't stop talking about it. Um, in preparing for this, one of my favorite singers, Matt Mayer, he released a new song called The In-Between. And uh, what he did is uh, that show, The Chosen, is about to come out with a new a new season, and uh, there is a line from the very first episode by Mary. And so in the episode, very first episode of the whole show, uh, Mary actually um, encounters Jesus. And she says this. She says, um, I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in the in-between was him. And listen to the lyrics from Matt Mayer's song. And go listen to, I was going to play the song for you, but um, let me just read you what he says in the song. He says, love stretched out on a tree, screaming out, so that I could say, you're not forsaken me. You're the first and the last, my future and my past, who I was and who I will ever be, forever be. 
You are the in-between. I was one way, but now I'm different. There was a clear change, a holy collision, who I was and who I will forever be, and you are the in-between. So in this morning, right where you're at, in your pain, physical pain, in your um, mental illness, in your struggles um, with sin, Jesus, the leper, takes on that leprosy of your hearts, and he becomes the leper who dies for you. And if you don't know Jesus, let me be the first to tell you, he can make you whole. Um, And that is the gospel of thankfulness, and it changes everything. Let's pray.